Hello, heroes and heroines, sidekicks and supervillains. Welcome back to another episode of Panel Pictures, a superhero podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood, Zach, and as always, I'm joined by the closest thing we'll get to Larflees, at least in this universe, Cody McKinney. Cody, how you doing today, my buddy? Orange. <laughs> you get is that your default, or? I mean, if I'm not orange, then it'd be then I worry, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd almost be like you're a scroll. Mm. Mm. <laughs> But if the scroll really wanted to be me, it would definitely be orange. Oh. But then again, if it didn't turn orange and be a giveaway, then it wasn't. Oh, okay. You know, like in Havana. Yeah, indeed, in Havana. In Havana. Is it, is it Havana? 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 Oh, shit. I'm sure there's like a pronunciation. This is going to be another, um, uh, what was the, the name of the Grand Prix in Iron Man 2 that I screwed up? Oh. Uh, Mor- Morocco? Yeah, Mor- uh, well, what did I Mor- say? It's Morocco, I think. But. No, no, no. It wasn't Morocco because I, kn- I know how to say Morocco. It was something stupid. It was just, uh, well, I mean, not stupid, but it was something stupid that I oh, mispronounced. Oh, Mon- Monte Carlo. Mon- Monaco. Oh. Monaco. I said Monaco. Oh, okay. And it's Monaco. <laughs> and I was like, what Monaco? is Monaco? Monaco. That's what I, yeah. It was, <laughs> I said the Monaco Grand Prix and then you went, uh, hold up a second. <laughs> It's not a word. <laughs> yeah, right. This is going to be another one of those situations with Havana and Havana. It's Parmesan cheese. <laughs> uh, 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 you been uh, you been watching anything lately? Reading anything? Playing anything? Uh, I started playing Minecraft again. <laughs> oh my lord! I mean, superhero related. Oh, uh, you know, with the whole theme of the podcast there. You you can get like DC skins in Minecraft. <laughs> oh my lord! Can you? I think so. I'm pretty sure you can be Superman and Batman. I think I don't. Don't quote me on that because I don't know for certain. Because I don't spend money on the Wouldn't game. Because I'm not me. that crazy. But <laughs> come to think of it, no, there's not really been like any anything super duper superhero related that yeah. I am like currently consuming. I'm excited for Shazam pretty soon. We're, yeah, we're coming right up on that. And I, yeah, we are. I still want some of this, uh, some like footage from this HBO Watchmen thing. Yeah, there was a there was a preview for that, and um, well, it was stuck in a trailer with all the other HBO shows. Yeah, and it was a whole lot of nothing really. Like I mean, as much as I love Watchmen, there's a tremendous potential for it to be boring. Like, yeah, that's fair. Did you ever read all those other the Watchmen like spinoff? Only one I read comics? was the Rorschach one. Only the Rorschach one. Yeah. I read bits and pieces of them. Um, I, I'll be honest, I was kind of sick of looking at them because I was working at the comic book store at the time, yeah. and they were just piling up everywhere. They were kind of hit and miss, you know? And so I think Watchmen has that potential to be either incredibly great or not so great. I think because I, at the end of the day, they're just regular-ass people, mostly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll give you that. I'll so, give you, that. you know, you're... De- you're dealing with a bunch of Batman, kind of, wh- that aren't as good as Batman. and <laughs> B-list Batman. Yeah, like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But anyway, we are here today to talk about Captain Marvel, which I want to go ahead and say right off the bat, the trailers did not do this movie justice. No. I was not excited for this film. Me neither. Really? Well, <laughs> I, and I wonder, I wonder if it was because of superhero movie fatigue or if i wonder if it was literally just these trailers didn't show me anything about the plot really other than she has a struggle and she can't remember who she is well like there there's no hook to these trailers exactly and i think that was it because you know even with the most recent infinity war tra- well in-game trailer yeah I keep calling it infinity war because i like my brain remembers it being right. infinity war part one and part two right. instead of them renaming the second part in game but 
like the the whatever it takes bit like that's the hook that's the thing that sticks with me from Mm -hmm. that like or from that first guardians trailer like the blue swede song like that sticks in my head from that or uh like hulk he's my friend from work like there's always yeah Yeah. there's always a little thing but these like there was nothing it wasn't and so i was really 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 afraid that this movie was just going to be boring i was afraid that we were going to have i don't know like a like a Thor Dark World type yeah. deal. I thought we were going to have something that was going to be cosmic and kind of boring. And we're in boring space. Really like, like maybe detailed, uh, perhaps really, really aesthetically pleasing, but narratively speaking, not so entertaining, right? Luckily, that was not the case. And I'm glad that this movie is doing as well as it is. I'm glad that people are enjoying it. And frankly, if you don't enjoy this, I, I wonder I wonder why. Because it's got a little bit of something for everyone, and it is a genuinely entertaining movie. And I, I definitely have gripes with the movie, and like since we've seen it, I've gotten to flesh those out a little bit more than we were talking about. Like, right. Because after we left the theater, I told you, like, it doesn't crack my top ten or anything, and I couldn't really figure out why. Mm-hmm. And then like I watched some like some spoiler reviews and other people's commentary on it. And they gave me the insight as to like, oh, this is the thing I didn't like about it. Like, but I just couldn't like put my finger on if mm. that makes any sense. That makes sense. Like I other mean, people yeah. can elaborate my ideas better than I can because my brain doesn't work. No, I guess your brain doesn't work. No, I, I, I totally understand that. I get that. I think it's, I think sometimes it does take conversations with other people to kind of trigger the the thought process, the, to, to, to link two pieces together that yeah. you're trying to figure out. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think... I think you should still form your own opinion, of course, right? And it's okay if your opinion coincides with someone else's review that you're watching or someone else's opinion or whatever. But, you know, it does, I, I do think it does take sometimes um, kind of researching and crafting to, to back up your opinion. Yeah. And that literally goes for anything. But <clears throat> anyway, this movie, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. It wasn't. It, it, like it's like you said, it was kind of it was kind of hard to place this one on a list, right? Um, for this podcast, it's going to be really easy because this is like our fourth Marvel <laughs> cinematic our, movie, right? Which it sucks because we're going in order, and then one just happened to come out while we were. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, we'll eventually. I I think we'll eventually go through all of them, and then we'll reconvene. We'll have a podcast yeah. episode where we can I, just talk about them all. It's going to be funny how when we see Endgame in two months. Like it'll it'll almost definitely be like the top of the <laughs> list the forever until we maybe get to Avengers, which might be better than it. We don't. Know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It also depends on how fast we crank these out. So we'll see. We got we got a new schedule. So hopefully we'll we'll stick to that, and you know that'll work. But anyway, so let's start with the cast, and then we'll kind of move in here to the movie itself. So Brie Larson as Carol Danvers slash Vers slash Captain Marvel. Like, Veers. Veers. Yeah, I was bad. like, it looks like it should be Vers, but like yeah. they, they say Veers. So. so, Brie Larson, did you know no, this actor, actress at all? I didn't really either. I wanted Ronda Rousey. Like when they were like, Ronda when Rousey. that first thing like popped up yeah. and they were just like, Marvel wants Ronda Rousey to be Captain Marvel. I was like, yes, give it to Ronda me. Ronda Rousey probably like, would have been good, but Brie Larson did a really good like, job. I, I don't know. I don't think that she would have done as well as Brie Larson did because like I'm a. I'm a I, wrestling I, fan, and no, I've, no. I've seen her acting. No, I I, I agree. I, I think Ronda Rousey would have done well, but I don't think she would have done as well as Brie Larson. Yeah. Um, moving on through, the, like, well, let's 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 kind of circle back to Captain Marvel, the character. Did you have any uh, 
kind of influence or experience with the character of Captain Marvel prior next to this film? to none. Ca- next to none. Captain Marvel is Shazam in my brain. That's beside the point. <laughs> um, so this is going to be, I mean, mine is a little vague. Basically, I only really know of Captain Marvel from the X-Men cartoon of the 90s. Yeah. Where Rogue takes Captain Marvel's power. And then from then on, I only really know Captain Marvel through the Wolverine comics. Uh, that Frank Miller and that other gentleman whose name I'm forgetting, and I apologize, they did a four-issue run of Wolverine, and then it kind of fed into Uncanny X-Men. And in Uncanny X-Men, you know, Wolverine is trying to marry Mariko in Japan, right? And he invites all the X-Men to the wedding, you know, ceremony in Japan, and Rogue shows up. And Wolverine is just, like, pissed because, you know, this this girl that took his friend Captain Marvel's powers is now, like, at his wedding. But then Mariko is like... She's a guest, so we're going to treat her as one, you know. And then eventually they team up and they have to, like, go fight and stuff like that, which ends up being pretty cool. But that was my only real experience with Captain Marvel. I tried reading, I read about one or two trades, trade paperbacks of of Captain Marvel, some recent stories, you know. They were just okay. And that's not a reflection on the character as much as it's probably a reflection more on that particular writer for, you know, for whatever trade it was. I couldn't, I've literally got one Captain Marvel trade right here in the office next door, and I couldn't tell you what happens in it. Because I read it and I was like, okay. But you know. I, I think a lot of that is that she's not a hero for you and me as bad as I like hate to put things in categories and things like that. But like, she's never been a hero where I'll just say, yeah, I definitely want to look into that. Like, well, see, I, I, can, I can agree with that. But at the same time, I have no problem adjusting my mindset to different heroes that aren't you know, for me, like for instance, uh, the Shuri comics. Yeah. Yeah. Shuri is a pretty good comic for right now. The, the only reason I can't remember what's going on is because it's been a while since I've read those. Yeah. Um, but they were, I remember enjoying them, but I, I can, I can, I can see from your perspective as well. This character isn't really made for you and I, it's made for, you know, female readers mostly. It's also made for, I don't know, people that are tired of the, uh, how do I phrase this? Tired of the, the, I want to say damsel in distress, female hero trope. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. You get what like I'm saying? The, the having to play second fiddle to yeah. the other, like, stronger male Exactly, I, exactly. And I think that was a very important message that came across in this movie. You know, several times she was put down. Several times she was told she wasn't good enough. Several times she was told she needs to control her emotions. She needs to, she needs to do this, 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 and this to yeah, be proper, and like, right? And there's a bit in the movie that, like, drug the genuine emotion out of me. Like, I'll talk about when we get to it. Like, because it reminds me of something that I really enjoy, but we'll... But moving along with the cast, though, we've got Samuel L. Jackson returning as Nick Fury. I didn't know Samuel L. Jackson is 70 now. To now look at that movie... And with that context of his age, Samuel L. Jackson's moving and grooving for 70 years old. Oh, man. yeah. I mean, like, he's a, he's a very, he's a spry old man. He's a very spry old man. I was also very impressed with the CGI making him look younger. Yeah. You know, it was very well done. And it was not, no, it was not super noticeable, at least, that, like, I, I, on my his second, hair is the only thing. On that, my second viewing, the hair was a little bit noticeable, yeah. but, that, but that was only because I was, like, staring at the hairline on his head and going, like, that's a little bit too sharp. Yeah, like sometimes it was a little bit, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, it wasn't Henry Cavill mustache yeah. level CGI. That's true. So it wasn't a frozen upper lip for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then moving on, we've got uh, Ben Mendelosian, Men- Mendelson. I forget. Mendelson. Mendel- Mendelson. Is that <laughs> yeah, how you pronounce ben it? Mendelson. Ben Mendelson as Talos, who is going to be the leader of the Scrolls, who are the enemy in this film. And the other big characters I want to talk about really quick. We've got Lashana Lynch as uh, Mariah Rambeau, who is you know 
uh, Carol Danvers' best friend. She's the uh, the the goose to you know <laughs> yeah. Carol Danvers, and there is a cat named Goose in this yeah. film, and he's probably my favorite character. He's my favorite actor. Uh, made up of four different acting cats, you know, together there. Didn't know that. Yeah, they had four different cats. Last but not least, Jude Law as uh, Jan Rog, who is this Jan Rog is like this mentor character for uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, like when we first saw him in the trailers, a lot of people were like, "Oh, the, he's gonna be Marvel." Like everybody thought that he would end up be, or at least that, everything I was reading, right. people, like assumed that he was going to be. Mar-Vell. Well, speaking of Marvel, we have. Uh, Annette Benning as uh, Marvell slash Dr. Wendy Lawson, and she was really good, too. Oh, yeah, she was fantastic. Uh, like, yeah, absolutely. A very compelling character to just be, like, a set piece most of the time. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, she really wasn't, like, her own character. She was more just the uh, plot device of the yeah, character. she was a living MacGuffin, almost. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. All right, well, let's move into, like, the plot of this movie here. So, when we start off... This movie plays a lot around like the the it makes it hard to talk about it in a sequential order because it jumps back and forth a lot yeah, between like it's present got, and past. It's almost got pulp fiction syndrome where like almost, you're yeah. sitting there watching like a bit of it and then all of a sudden you're watching something that happened like a different place and like it's yeah it's not hard to follow like you're not going to be sitting there like where are we in the timeline right. how do I get here It's just hard for us to like write it all out, you know, and then be like here, then this memory here, then this memory. Yeah. So please bear with us as we try to like piece this together for you here. So we're on planet Hala, which is the, uh, the center of the Kree empire. And we see star force member Veers. She's having kind of like these dreams and she's, she's having these bits and pieces of memories and she wakes up and she can't sleep. So she goes over and she knocks on the door of Jan Rog, who is kind of her mentor slash captain. And he's all like, you can't sleep. And she's like, no. And he's like, same dreams. And she's like, yeah. And then she's like, you want to fight so then we just cut to a training hall and they're they're beating each other up and, and space yeah. jujitsu or rather yon rog is beating her up yeah. and he's constantly like you have to contain your emotions you have to emotion is like the the weakness of the warrior and things like that you know a lot of a lot of zen crap i've heard throughout my life being in martial arts you know a lot of you've got much more power than i do please don't hurt me. exactly yeah and so he keeps saying like you have to beat me without using your power and that was the first red flag for me i was like um excuse me hold up if you know she's more powerful than you like why are you doing this yeah and, you know? and then the old line that he keeps using of like what was given can be taken away oh yeah so yeah she and does, then you see that like you see this little like a it's like a i don't know what you call it like a restraint it's almost like a star wars restraining bolt on a droid yeah that, that was literally what i was gonna say yeah you read my mind so yeah it's, it's she's got this like patch like a restraining patch on her neck and uh he literally says what was given can be taken away and you see the the green crackling electricity on this little patch on her neck there eventually you know they start sparring again she gets upset blasts him into a wall you know and so he's all like the principal so yeah yeah basically (laughs) that's really funny to think about (laughs) agent veers to the principal's office agent veers to the principal's office space principal Space principle. So she has to go meet with the Supreme Intelligence, who is basically this like supercomputer intelligence that runs kind of the entire Kree Empire. It's Google. It is basically yeah, it's Google <laughs> in a in a sentient form. I liked the way they did this, how they communicate with the Supreme Intelligence, where she's kind of seated and all these cords wrap around her, and then they kind of sink into her skin and her face and everything, and they have like a neural interaction and everything. So here's where we get to one of the first interesting plot points. Apparently. 
the supreme intelligence has no actual like image. Yeah, it's it, formless. It's formless. So it appears as someone that you respect the most, right? So when Carol, uh, when Veers, Agent Veers, sorry, we haven't got to Carol yet, but when Agent Veers um, sees the supreme intelligence, she sees this woman from her past that she doesn't recognize. So the supreme intelligence is all like, can you control your emotions? And are you ready for missions? And she's like, yes, yes, I can. And then, you know, of course, the supreme intelligence is like, your emotions keep getting you in trouble. I don't know. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm ready to represent, you know, the Kree and everything. And so Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they eventually, you know, the Supreme Intelligence is like, okay, sure, we've got a mission ready for you anyway, so bump all that stuff we just said about you not being ready, go ahead and, you know, go out into the go field. Go get ready. Go get ready, yeah. So, you know, Veers goes on this this uh, ship, and she's with a bunch of these other Kree soldiers, including Yon rog and if you notice, the, uh, the gentleman whose character name is, hold on a second, Koroth. Koroth who is the black gentleman that you might recognize from the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he's also there. A living Easter egg almost. Yeah, like, he kind of is. The whole, the whole, like, it's been a bit since since Guardians came out and the whole time, I don't know if you were doing it, but I was like, he's been in the movie before and I don't remember where. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> the only reason, Cody, the only reason I immediately recognized him. Oh, well, him I mean, yeah, okay, in your, in your defense. Is because, Cody, <laughs> you, I have you, seen you Guardians knew, of the you Galaxy knew all of his lines. 86 times. <laughs> 86 times. Because it was, yeah, 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 don't start, please, please. It's it's probably, I feel like I've forgotten all the lines in Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's probably still in there somewhere. They was going to eat you. They was going to eat you. <laughs> hey, you never had Terran before. No, stop, stop. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. For you, for those of you that know, the comic book store I used to work at, uh, we had Guardians of the Galaxy playing for a while, and it was it, a, wasn't com- even- <laughs> it was a combination of the DVD player tray broke, combined with that uh, my boss didn't want to change out the dvd because it was a little bit of a hassle so i saw guardians of the galaxy 86 times in a row until the problem was resolved so that was fun but anyway so she's on the ship with all these other kree uh soldiers and basically they're gonna go to a planet they're gonna find their informant who apparently has a lot of information on their enemy which is the scrolls. So if you're not familiar, the scrolls are these shape-shifting aliens from the Marvel Universe. They're most noted for their secret invasion plot line, which was around 2008 to through up through like 2010, somewhere thereabouts. Um, you know, where they were taking the identity identities of all the different Marvel heroes, you know, and causing trouble. I think the scrolls f- first appeared in Fantastic Four, I want to say. They're a very they're they're a very key prominent villain in the Marvel uh, the Marvel comic universe. And so for them to be in the cinematic universe is a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, but we'll soon see how that's going to be kind of turned on its head. So they go to this planet. They try to find their informant. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really interesting uh, points here. A good use of the scroll's ability to shapeshift. You see one of the, uh, the Kree agents has a sniper rifle and she's like looking around, you know, and then, you know, she, her communicator's kind of broken and she's like, guys, guys, I, you know, I see a bunch of people down there. And all of a sudden this guy, one of her teammates like taps her on the shoulder and he's like, it's okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she looks through her scope down there and she sees sees her teammate down there, starts fighting that guy, shoots him. And then it turns out he was a scroll, right? Well, they get down there. Veers makes her way into the cave where the informant's supposed to be while the rest of the team is outside of that, the cave, or it's a temple, rather. It's like an abandoned temple cave, whatever. Yeah, and with, like, full of, like, space refugees. Right, and, like, yeah. There are all these refugees, and they're not supposed to hurt them. But it turns out all the refugees are scrolls. <laughs> so they all change into the scroll form. There's a huge battle, some really interesting fight choreography. But then Veers is in the cave and she, you know, tries to use her call code for the, the informant and he calls it back. And so they start trying to talk a little bit. 
And then all of a sudden she hears through her communicator, it's a trap. The guy turns into a scroll, shocks her, knocks her out, right? So we move along. We start seeing all these memories of uh, Captain Marvel or Marvel or Veers. It's, I'm, I'm going to use all Carol these names. Danvers. Carol Danvers. I'm going to use all these names interchangeably. But we start seeing all these memories of hers. So we see where, you know, she was a child and she was go-kart racing and she crashes and her dad's all like, you shouldn't be out here, you know, and all that stuff. We see, let's see her, her at a bar. Uh, getting heckled by some of the the male pilots in the Air Force and the guy saying the stupidest, most misogynistic (laughs) bullshit I've heard in my life where he's all like, you know why it's called a cockpit, right? I was like, ooh, gross. (laughs) The cringe pit. It was the cringe pit, yeah. Uh, So we see that memory. We see a memory of her at basic trying to jump from one uh, climbing rope to another and she falls, you know, and they're all like, you'll never be a pilot. And then eventually it starts focusing on this one key memory. She's at the Air Force Base, and uh, Goose the Cat pops up, and he's all like, Bow. The the woman that she recognizes as, you know, the person from the Supreme Intelligence pops up, and she's all like, oh, Goose doesn't like too many people. Like, that's surprising. And then she's all like, you ready to fly? And she's like, always, you know, and walks away. And then we start hearing voices going, hold on, hold on, rewind that. The woman pops up Well, back I mean, again. the voices have been there the entire time, because they're confused. Right, they're just right. like, are we watching the right memory? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're skipping around and everything. So they're like, rewind it. And so, like, she sees that same woman again, and she's like, you ready? to fly today and you know veers just kind of like uh yeah sure and she's like okay good and they're like pause it pause it make her look down at the jacket you know we got to get a name and all that stuff focus and so yeah it keeps saying focus and and so then like she turns and there she is again like there's two of her in that same frame now and it gets really interesting yeah. you know so then they're like look at the jacket look at the jacket and they look down and the name's fuzzy and then it comes into focus and that's when we see the name dr wendy wendy lawson so then they're like oh it's wendy lawson and pegasus oh okay then you know it jumps to the plane so then yeah so then it jumps to another random memory and she's flying and look at the coordinates look at the coordinates yeah. so they, they have coordinates on the on the dash and they're like look at the coordinates focus focus and she tries to fight that memory which I thought was really neat she pulls the uh, ejector uh, you know, in, her, in her cockpit and she shoots out of the plane and they're like put her back in there you know and so <laughs> so she flies up out of the, the plane and then immediately gets pulled back in there and the cockpit closes again and they're like get the coordinates look look and she's looking and it's like fuzzy still right yeah. and then all of a sudden she wakes up and she's hanging upside down in this like crazy torture device. Her limbs are all stretched out and everything. And uh, she's awake and she's looking around. And there's all these scroll like at a computer and they're trying to get certain memories. It's all the beta scrolls. It's all they're the all, like yeah. they're all just like wimpy looking. The little, little like, chubby looking they got, scrolls. They got real skin. It's like smooth skin. <laughs> they got the big doe eyes yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So it's obvious that they're like trying to find a certain memory in her mind right and this is where things start getting really interesting because they're you know it's like why are they why are they probing her mind like why didn't they just kill her off or something like that she eventually breaks out of the containment and she's got these huge like metal I don't know like metal cylinders yeah these big like cuffs essentially is what they are and she can't you really use her powers so she's running around she's knocking out scrolls one by one with these things and you know she makes a couple of punchlines here or there she's like you guys know how to take these off and then they're like and she's like no okay and then just hits him, you know. I like though, I like the part where one scroll runs up to her and is like, ah, and then she just returns, ah, yeah. and hits him again. That was really funny. But we go through this big hallway chase scene. There's even a part where she cracks something and then all the scrolls like panicked 
start grabbing onto things around the room and she kind of wonders why they're doing that. And then the wall behind her gives out and they all get sucked out into space. That was really cool. Uh, but eventually she makes her way around and she finds a bigger scroll and she tries to hit him with the cuffs and it's not working. He just no-sells. So, yeah, just... yeah, so he just yells at her and pushes her. So she uses her powers to blast off the cuffs, blasting dudes left and right. It's great. She runs into the room where she originally was and she finds her boots because this whole time she's been running barefoot. Yeah. Which I thought was really funny. But she goes and she grabs her boots and then you see the screen and the memory of that guy saying the awful cockpit line. She blasts it, you know, before she walks out. <laughs> There's a lot of really good physical and unspoken humor in this scene that it's hard for you and I to describe, especially yeah. over an audio I'm, medium. But this is literally just a, a setup to be like, this is what she can do. This yeah. is how she fights. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it's well done. It's yeah. well done. So anyway, she decides she's going to go for an escape pod, right? She jumps into it. That's when we have Talos being all like, we were just getting to know each other, blasting it, you know, and then she manages to escape anyway. And then they land on C-53. What's Yeah, the... I think it's C- it's either C-53 or C-23. I'm pretty sure it's C-53. I forget the code name that we have for Earth. I want to say it's like 53. I think it's 53. Okay. But anyway, so we land on like C-53. We land on Earth, basically. And uh, this is where we get uh, the the one like redeeming scene from the trailers that did make it interesting because she crash lands right into a blockbuster. Yeah. Boy, howdy. That was a uh, that was just, I, I know it was on purpose, but that was a little encapsulated mind trip for me. You yeah. Know, as seeing, you see somebody pick up a VHS tape and you're just like, I did that. Yep. The, the, the you see like the family section, the drama section, all the VHS tapes on shelves and things like that. Uh, she sees a cutout and she blows the head off and everything. And so she crawls out of like the broken window of the the blockbuster and she she walks over to this little mall well not mall but like a little plaza security car yeah and there's this little stereotypical security guard there and she's like knocking on the window you know and he doesn't do anything at first and she's like yeah <laughs> he rolls it down and she's like uh hi i'm from the uh you know kree star force and da, 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 da. is this c53 and he just kind of looks at her and, and like, she's uh... like my communicator working okay? Can you understand me? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I can understand you. <laughs> and she's like, are you the uh, protector for this area, for this quadrant? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, but the, the mall's got their own guy, but... <laughs> 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 yeah, it's really funny. So she gets, she's like frustrated because it's obvious like your Earth is like well behind where the rest of the galaxy yeah. is. And she's like, where can I find communication equipment? And he's like, mm-hmm. points, points at a radio shack. Points at a radio shack. And Two just, businesses that do not exist anymore. Yeah, so we already get you know, a blockbuster and a radio shack. Um, God, our radio shack lasted a long time though after that closing. It really did. Like I like it's one of those like you don't know why it was still open. Like probably because somebody was laundering money through it or something. Probably, but. probably. <laughs> that's awful actually i mean it's probably true though eventually we kind of cut back and the crew are looking for her, you know and they're like where'd she land they're like oh a c53 or whatever you know the code name for earth is and they're like have you been there and one of them's like yep it's a real shitty place and you're like can't argue there <laughs> so we jump back and we see that she's taking like a game boy captain marvel's taking like yeah. a game boy a um uh like a radio phone and all these all these like Odds and ends from Radio Shack. Combine them into a payphone. Combine them into a payphone. She's made a communicator and she's like, uh, hey, you know, I'm here on this planet. And they're like, stay there. And she's like, but what if the the scrolls start doing stuff, you know? And they're like, no, just stay where you're at. Don't engage. Hide, you know? And she's like, ugh. And before they can argue any further, it's all like... uh, Long distance charges. Yeah, they're like, the long distance code is needed to continue this call. Goodbye. (laughs) And like closes it down. So at this time, that's when we see the scrolls like walking out of the ocean from their escape pod. And uh, they look around 
then they start assuming the forms, all these beachgoers, you know, and they're like, oh, we got to go find her. You know, we have to find, you know, where Dr. Lawson put those coordinates and everything. And then I like that uh, Talos makes himself into that, you know, the the one Asian looking surfer girl. And he looks over and one of them's got that form and he goes, hey, this one's already taken. taken. (laughs) That was good. It was really good. So we move along. It's daytime now. We're at the blockbuster and Shields just starts rolling in like bunches of cars, you know, and this is where we see Agent Coulson come out and we see Nick Fury come on out. So they're looking around the blockbuster and everything and they go down to that little security guard and they're like, hey man, you want to put the call in? And he's like, (laughs) and they're like, uh, who did this? And he's like, oh, she's, she's over there. Yeah, like, pointing at the payphone. I just point out that this poor dude's been sitting in this car I know, by bless, himself. Bless his heart. This is like this poor little security guard is like sitting in this little car for five hours, probably because it's dark when, when yeah, it's true. This yeah, starts. yeah. So he's probably just sitting there like, what did happen to happen today? Just want, just want to go home. Just want to go home. Just wanted to get my paycheck and go home. Can I want to go home and watch Navy Seals. <laughs> I was just waiting for the blockbuster to open. <laughs> Agent Fury goes over to Captain Marvel, who is at the payphone, and he's all like, do you know anything about that? And she's like, oh, no, I think that person ran away. <laughs> oh, no, you missed the, there's a lady who uh, says she dressed for laser tag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got reports of a lady dressed up for laser tag. You know anything about that? Oh, no, no, she must have went that way. <laughs> He's like, well, I feel like you might know something, you know, and, and he's like, uh, where's your identification? She's like, oh, I'm part of the Star Force. And she's like, we don't put our identification on little pieces of paper. <laughs> and so then she's like, I'm here to stop the scrolls and all this stuff. They're shapeshifters. And he's like, do what? And and she goes, oh, God, you guys don't know. You are so behind. She starts trying to walk off and Fury's all like, hold up, hold up. Why don't you uh, tell me about these shapeshifters or how do I know you're not one of them? You know, and that's when one of the scrolls actually pops up and like shoots blasts. Off a building. And so she returns it with one of her blasts, you know, and they start running off. So Coulson and Fury hop in their car and they're chasing after Captain Marvel, who's running after this scroll. We get a, uh, in my opinion, a little bit of a stretched out chase scene, but it, it has its highlights to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nowhere near as bad as what we saw in Hulk, which was like 10 minutes of just constant chasing and running and yeah. chasing and running. No commentary. Yeah, I mean, at least this one, you, like, it's a cool train scene. Exactly. So Captain Marvel chases one of the, uh, one of the scrolls to one of the train stations in, uh, Los Angeles. He sees an older woman and he just assumes her form. You know, so Captain Marvel jumps in the back of the train, smashes in the window and starts walking in and looking around. And this is where we get possibly the sweetest Stanley cameo uh, in the movie because Stanley is looking over the script for Mallrats. Yeah. And uh, I knew you probably enjoyed oh, that. Yeah. I, I, I come well, I already knew it was coming. Yeah. But, like I, I just immediately called it and I have one gripe. Okay. What's that? A teeny tiny like geek gripe. So in Mallrats, Stanley is not old i mean he's he's old but like he's still rocking like that dyed jet black hair in the movie and like cody it would have taken no effort for them to make him look like 1995 cody Cody. they 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 cgi'd sam jackson for entire movie I'm just saying, just let him be, just let him be Stan. Just let I him mean, be Stan. like, I guess their logic is he's got to look identifiable because like people, yeah. like in all the movies, he's looked like that. So why would you? Yeah. I mean, when he was making his cameos, I mean, his hair was gray, but there also was a lot of the white to it. Yeah. And you can see it get whiter and whiter as we progress. Especially anyway. when I met him, it was like, it was almost all white. That um, was my, my teeny tiny gripe. I mean, that. and and it did open up a, a can of worms because some people are like, oh wait, you know, because if he's playing himself in a movie, but he's also supposed to be a watcher in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is he like, you know, a writer of the, the cosmos? Is he like a destiny yeah, weaver like... and all this stuff, you know? Y'all, you can't look into it that hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's at this point we all know we all know what it is. It's a Stan Lee cameo. We just we know what that is. So. Yeah, and it's just supposed to be a neat little like a neat callback to like somebody who has I don't want to say like Kevin Smith's revitalized comic culture or anything like that, but he's he's a man who's he always, definitely helped. Like he's been a fan since night like since he was a kid, yeah. and you know like he was one of the first people in 1995 to put Stan Lee exactly in a prominent movie that didn't do that well, but still I mean still yeah. so I, I I I don't know like the people that get upset about the continuity with that eh, you know there's other things you could worry about continuity wise you know that that in this movie in particular you know so I I enjoyed it and what I really 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 enjoyed was when he kind of puts the script down and he looks at her and and she and she and she kind of smiles at him you know and kind of tilts her head that was sweet as shit because yeah. that made me kind of like that made me kind of think like maybe she knows who stanley is you know who like captain marvel knows like stan like she's like ah it's one of the watchers you know or yeah, something I mean, like that like, you know it's the kind of acknowledging his his like role in the yeah. marvel cinematic universe I mean, it's it's almost akin to the spider-verse one where like the the super emotional one where it's just like we were friends like you know, oh that, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. not quite like on the level. You know, it's that like two characters acknowledging yeah like, that their characters. It was just thing. fun, yeah. and I really, really enjoyed it. It might be my favorite one. I don't know yet. It might uh, be my favorite I, Stanley cameo. Like I, it's it's not my favorite, and it involves my favorite director. So I don't know if it can be like. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So after the Stanley cameo, we then see you know this big chase scene where you know Captain Marvel's chasing that one scroll. And it has turned into an old lady. And I really like this part because she sees the old woman prior to getting on the train, right? She sees that old woman on the train. And then she's like, hold up, Dexter. Yeah. And then they have this like monstrous fight. You know, this old woman's like jump kicking and stuff like that. People are just, and, are still trying to stop her from beating yeah. this old lady. And so, yeah, yeah, that was the cool part. It was like all these bastard buyers were like, hey, don't beat up on that old lady. You know, and they're like pulling on her and stuff like that. And she has to brush them all off. And then we see the scroll drop like a, it's like a data chip kind of deal as he's running away. So Captain Marvel snatches that up, chases after him, you know, becomes this long chase scene on a train. Meanwhile, we go back down to where Agent Fury and Coulson are in the car chasing the train you know by car under it that's when i i love this i love this fury's walkie talkie beeps on and it's like uh hey guys hey this is uh this is agent colson uh i was gathering evidence over at the blockbuster and uh where'd everyone go everyone go?" and he looks over and colson like looks back at him and they start just beating the snot out of each other colt you know the the fake colson draws his gun scrollson yes scroll i like that scrollson draws his gun you know fury then wrecks the car causing the scroll to die you know and fury comes out and his eyes kind of damaged and you think oh this is how he you know lost his eye but not quite when the 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 scrollson dies he turns into a scroll you know he reverts back to his form so agent fury <laughs> takes his jacket like you know yeah. oh that's no. he, yeah he freaks out yeah, he and he freaks gets out. out of the car yeah he's like yeah he's like he's like this is the first this is the first time he's actually seen what they look yeah, like yeah 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 and so he he takes his jacket and throws it over the scroll's face he doesn't want anyone to see it you know but we jump back to captain marvel and she loses track of that scroll and so she takes the chip that she found she puts it in her communicator and she sees like all these different memories and flashbacks and things like that. And that's when she figures out that there was a bar that she frequented when she was on Earth. You know, she's starting to put it together that she was on Earth at some point, yeah. right? So she goes and she tries to get a map and everything. And this is when we see a nice little bit where this guy's like, hey, sweetheart, that's a sexy looking scuba suit you got there. And yeah. she's just like looking at the map. He's just on him. the motorcycle the on the, entire yeah. time. And then he's like, you'd be cuter if you smiled. And then she just doesn't say anything, you know. So this is supposed to work. I'm a cool guy on a motorcycle. Yeah, exactly. And then he's just like, bitch, and walks <laughs> off, you know. So then she like folds her map in half and looks over that motorcycle 
Michael. And then it immediately cuts to her. Steals like the most it, 90s yeah, outfit possible. She's got the grunge look going on, hops on that bike, and she's riding to the, the bar. So when she gets to that bar, she sees all these like little flashes of memories. You know, her playing in a Street Fighter arcade cabinet, her eating with one of her friends and doing karaoke and stuff. Turns around and she sees a picture of a jet you know, with the Pegasus symbol on it, right? Yeah. And so Pegasus has been this whole theme, this project, right, that she's been trying to find out. So the bartender comes up and is like, can I help you? And she's like, where is this picture taken? And the bartender says the stupidest, dumbest shit. He's like, uh, at an sky. airport? Oh, wait, no, yeah, at an airport? Like, that's right. That's when we see Agent Fury come out of nowhere and he's all like, but you probably knew that already. And he kind of tells the bartender to get <laughs> off, you know. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So he's like, you know, I've, uh, you know, I didn't know that aliens were going to be part of my day today. You know, <laughs> I'm Nick Fury and I'm pissed. You know? So they sit down and they start talking she tells him about the scrolls and this is where we have this really fun interaction where uh he's all like how do i know that you're not a scroll and she's like how do i know you're not one so she's like well scrolls can only take recent memories she's like tell me like all this all this old information about yourself so she's like where were you born and he's like alabama but you know i don't technically count that and, da, 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 da. Don't and then remember that. and then she's like what's the name of your first pet and he's like mr snoofers and she's like mr snoofers and he goes yes it's mr snoofers <laughs> she goes tell me one weird thing about yourself and he's like if toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. All right, now I'm going to cut you off right there. Yeah. So I was at work. Yes. The day after we saw the movie. Yeah. Talking to one of my other friends who's really into this type thing. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, I got to show you something. And he shows me like the Marvel equivalent of the Zabruder film. Uh, of It's a, the scene from uh, uh, Ultron where mm-hmm. they're like all hiding out or whatever. And like they, it's, you know, because Nick Fury's like in retirement, but not in retirement right. type thing. And he's eating a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And the sandwich is cut diagonally in the scene. And he was like, look. And I was like. I was like, it's a sandwich, and yeah. he he points it out to me, and I was like, I be damned, that might be a scroll. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, like, or maybe because it's a sandwich, he can eat it. Yeah, like, whereas <laughs> if it's if it's just toast, so like, who knows? Because he like, did say toast. If toast is cut down, yeah. like, can't eat it. So. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so we cut back to, you know, they're they're doing that. And he kind of looks at her and he goes, you didn't need to know that, did you? And she's laughing and she's like, no. And he goes, well, how do I know you're not a scroll? And she goes, hmm. And then blast the jukebox with a plasma blast. And he just kind of looks at her and goes, how am I supposed to know that doesn't make you a scroll? He's like, scrolls can't do that. And she's like, scrolls can't do that. And he's like, what? <laughs> so eventually they decide they're going to go to a nearby Air Force base and they go to the security camera and they're like, who's there? And he's like, Agent Fury. And, you know, uh, they scan his face and this is a very important point comes up and she goes, does everyone call you Fury? And he goes, my name is Nicholas Fury. Nobody calls me Nicholas. You know, everyone my, everyone calls me Fury. And then she's like, what about your mom? And she's like, call calls Fury. me Fury. What do you call her? Fury. And he's like, what if you have kids? I'm probably going to make them call me Fury too. You know, so they get into the Air Force base and... And uh, the director of the Air Force Base is all like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, we're looking for, you know, Dr. Lawson. And he's like, okay, sure. And so they put him in a little office. And that's when, you know, we see uh, Agent Fury and Captain Marvel sitting there. And he goes, are you familiar with the term welcome wagon? And she's like, no. And he goes, yeah, well, this ain't it. (laughs) And he tries to unlock the door and it doesn't, you know, using a thumbprint thing. So he takes a thumbprint off of his ID badge that the guy had looked at earlier, tape, you know, put some tape on it and he manages to unlock the door. And so they're looking for a records room, right? Because they're trying to find any kind of records on Dr. Lawson. And this is when we get introduced to possibly the greatest character in this film, Goose. So (laughs) Goose the cat pops up out of nowhere and Samuel L. Jackson is all like, hey, Goose, what are you doing? Oh my goodness. And he's like, you know, scratching the cat and what was really interesting about this though samuel l jackson does not like animals doesn't like pets didn't know that he says he's not a pet guy he's not a dog bird cat 
fish, anything. He just doesn't like dealing with animals, right? Uh, but he had to keep treats in his pocket to make the cat, you know, do things with them. Yeah. He said, however, even though I'm not a pet person, he goes, I really like that cat. He was like, that cat was okay. And what was funny was Brie Larson, my bad. Yeah, I'm, like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up uh, Dr. Lawson with yeah. Larson, my bad. We're having another stone, Abadiah stone stain <laughs> yeah. situation here. Brie Larson actually said that she enjoyed the cat as well. But at one point, she like came up and ran and yelled something at the cat to make it like jump or something like that. And the animal trainers are like, hey, that cat's working right now because they were training it, <laughs> you know? And she's like, Ugh, and runs off, you know? And she goes, that was my most unprofessional moment uh, during the production. <laughs> Cats working right now. Well, I mean, you have to. You have to with a lot of those those cats. Uh, And, you know, Goose is made up of four different cat actors. So probably got to change them out all the time. Geese? Ah, nice. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so Goose, the top gun cat, makes his appearance. And uh, they're going to go into the records room. So Fury pulls out that little piece of tape and he's all like, okay, I'm going to open up. And then Captain Marvel just goes, poof. And blows the door open and he's, <laughs> you done that whole he's time. like you could have done that the whole time but you just want to sit there and watch me play with tape they go into the records room they the, find the loudest records room in history well i mean if you think about it that's a good way to conserve like electricity in a huge plant like that yeah right? i mean and if you're and you want to know if somebody snuck in there exactly having to go, dunk, dunk, yeah dunk, so dunk. like every time the lights come on they make this huge tunk noise and when you go down an aisle the lights you know have a sensor and they yeah. they come on so they're going down all these different aisles and eventually they find Dr. Lawson's files. Fury's like, ah, you know, she's cuckoo, man. Look at these notes. And Marvel opens up the book and it, she's like, she wasn't crazy. These are Cree. These are Cree symbols and stuff like that. And he's like, oh yeah, well, she's also dead. <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, what? No. And so they find out, you know, whatever she was working on, which is supposedly an engine that can achieve light speed, uh, was damaged and destroyed. And she's also dead. So we get to the part where Fury had previously called S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, kind of warned them that, you know, Captain Marvel was there. Oh, man, we skipped over the part with uh, Fury and his boss with the scroll body there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, at, so, at yeah, scroll junk. yeah. So after they took the scroll in uh, to S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, he talks to his boss and everything. And we learn that his boss is actually a scroll, like a scroll's taking his identity. We then, you know, cut back to the Air Force part that we we're just talking about. And, you know, the boss shows up and we're like, oh, crap, it's him. You know, Coulson's there and a couple of other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are there. You know, the boss is like, hey, you know, is she here? And, you know, Fury's like, yeah, yeah, she's here. And they hop in an elevator, you know. And uh, the boss goes, good job, Nicholas. And that's when, like, that's when Fury goes, what? <laughs> and so he's a little questioning about it. And then he goes, yeah, man, uh, I'm going to get off here on floor five and then you get off at six and we'll kind of pinch her in case she decides to run, you know, like back in Havana, the you know, <laughs> boss is like, yeah, like in Havana. And then you, that's when, you know, like, yeah, you're like, like, Oh crap. So, Fury does the smart thing and gets off on the actual floor that he needs to get off and sends him to the wrong floor. Runs over and he's like, hey, we gotta go. He goes, I know I just sold you out, but we gotta go. And so they're running. Uh, Coulson catches them on the stairs, you know, and he's all like, hey. Then they ask him on the radio like, you know, do you see him? And I think Coulson realizes that Fury's doing the right thing. And he's like, oh, they're not here. So they run off. They take an experimental aircraft and they hop in there. This is when, you know, she's like, why'd that guy let you go? And Fury's all like, I don't know. He must not hate me yet. You know, and they're flying off. So they fly off in this experimental aircraft. They're going to go find uh, the, the only person that knows Carol Danvers, right? Uh, which is, you know, her best friend. And at the same time, while they're flying, we hear a little in the back and we look and Goose was a stowaway. So he yep. was in there the whole time. He also missed a bit where she took his communicator from him. Well, not his communicator, his pager. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she did. Like at one point, can't, so be trusted. can't be trusted, right? So she takes the communicator away from him. So they, uh, they end up flying all the way down to Louisiana 
which uh, I thought was really funny. She goes, hey, where's Louisiana? And he goes, well, keep going east and take a ride at Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which, I mean, makes no, sense. Not I too mean, wrong. Not it's too right wrong. at the end of the Mississippi River. Right. We get down to Louisiana, and this is where Captain Marvel, you know, sees her old friend Mariah Rambeau when they were back in the Air Force. And we get a lot of a lot of holes filled in, essentially, because we see Mariah Rambeau. We see her little daughter. Is it Maria? Monica. Monica. She has, we have Mariah Rambeau and then Monica, who were, you know, Carol Danvers' best friends back in the Air Force, you know, uh, she basically helping Ray, helping Maria raise her daughter, you know, uh, Carol Danvers wasn't that, you know, uh, in tune or attached to her family, you know, so they became her new family. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that because the Air Force at the time wasn't allowing females to fly, you know, in combat missions, they could only fly experimental flights. And so this is where we start realizing, you know, that she was a really good pilot. She did grow up here on Earth and things like that. So somewhere along the lines, she's lost her memory and she's become a agent of the Kree for Star Force. You know, now we're getting into more, a little bit more of the intrigue, right? Because all of a sudden a scroll appears at the house in Louisiana. And uh, he's not even transformed. He's just, just, he's just sitting there sipping a milkshake. <laughs> you know? And it was really funny. He's all like, hold on before... Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, Mendelssohn. I really enjoyed Mendelssohn's act, acting for this. He, he just... He sold it really well for me. He's like, like this casual, like... His voice is one of the most interesting voices. Cause he, it really is. He always sounds like he has something in his mouth. Like... Um, I don't know about that. Like, it's got that, like, almost Heath Ledger Joker kind of sound to it. Or, like, ah, maybe, maybe. But, like, I don't know if that was a... Because he doesn't really sound that much like that in Rogue One. Yeah. But like, so it may be a put-on because he's playing the scroll thing. Or maybe it's hard to talk in all that makeup. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe with the prosthetics and things. Because yeah. like, you've got to have, like, the prosthetic chin and everything to yeah. do all that. But he's he's like, you know, I, yeah, I tracked you. It wasn't that hard and everything like that. And then we look outside and the little girl, Monica, you know... Uh, is with a scroll of she's <laughs> so she's out there with a, a scroll who's you know basically is disguised as her mom right yeah. and so he's like you know we really need to talk uh, we have information of what happened to what you call a black box right Mariah was like I thought that was destroyed and he goes ah, I've got my ways of, of of finding information and getting things I've got this really cool ability you know and everything and so they eventually go in the back of the the property and they get on a computer which is, there was this really funny bit where they put the CD from the black box <laughs> in the computer and and they're all looking at it. And then eventually the scroll's like, what's it doing? And then so it's, and it's like, it's loading. And then the, the other scroll's like, oh, you know, <laughs> so it's a cool transition. The audio from the black box transitions into what actually happens, you know, that day. Carol Danvers gets in the plane with Dr. Lawson. They, they start flying. And as they're achieving like this, this high altitude and they're going to the set of coordinates up in the atmosphere, uh, another ship comes out of nowhere and starts shooting them out of the sky. Right. So Lawson's like, Hey, those are the bad guys. And you know, of course, Carol Danvers doesn't know what the hell's going on, but she yeah. just knows that she needs to get out of there. Right. They get shot. They start, you know, going down the uh, ejector seat isn't working right so they both crash dr lawson's bleeding blue now all of a sudden and carol's like i don't really know what's going on except that we got shot out of the sky by a spaceship and, and your blood's blue. blue yeah so it's at this point that we see yon rog you know her mentor you know come out of the rubble of like this huge fight and he's all like i need that engine you know blah blah, blah and shoots dr lawson right yeah. carol danvers is like oh if you want it so bad and then she blows it up her own self and this is where she got her powers from because the engine blew up and she absorbed 
her body absorbed all the energy that was in that engine. And essentially she, you know, kind of screwed up the whole plan for them to have light speed travel. So they pick up the little bit of tag, you know, dog tag that, you know, yeah. Carol Danvers had and it just says Vers. So they pronounce it as Veers, you know, yeah. or as you and I want to pronounce it Vers. But they see that and they call her Veers and they essentially take her back to the Cree planet and brainwash her and make her think that, you know, she belongs to the Cree and everything. So I really, really, really enjoyed this because, again, the trailers didn't give us anything to work with the trailers didn't give us any like any of this intrigue any they basically told you captain marvel's a character she lost her memories and she thinks that she's you know uh, like a, a galactic defender or something like that a galactic superhero and so the fact that we've got this whole like stolen memories you know reshaped identity and things like that makes it more infinitely interesting than simply like oh, I don't remember where I came from. And like, oh, I used to be a human, but now I'm a super-powered human. Yeah. You know, I, I really enjoyed that. And Add again, some dimension. It does, it does. And I and I really, again, I will, I will, I will die on that hill with that flag. The trailers did not do this movie justice. Yeah. And I almost wonder now if they had had put more into the trailers, if that would have ruined the experience. Because, you know, I'm a big proponent of I hate when I see too much in the trailer. I feel like I've seen the damn movie already. Yeah. So I wonder if it was better for the movie to not have as much in those trailers and for us to just go see it. I think that they should have just made the trailers more fun. I think that would have made people want to see this movie more. Fair, but I also think that a lot of the fun bits were better perceived in the movie rather than well, yeah, but you know, in a trailer. They could have also done the bit where they show some footage that's not actually in the movie in the trailers. Because we, I mean, they've done I that. think people are tired of that, though. I and mean, I guess that's fair. Like, you know, if you'd shown me, like, a couple of scenes of, like, her and uh, Jude Law's character fighting or something yeah. like that. Or, like showing a little bit more Sam Jackson being funny, like, I would have been a little bit more excited. Because, like, every time I knew and I saw the trailers, we were just like, I don't know what's happening. I don't like, this is just showing me that these are things that are in this movie. If we go go back to that trailer talk episode, you know, you and I both were were like, I'm not excited about this. Yeah, Yeah, like, I really don't care. And that's why I wanted to post that episode, you know, for, for... future reference right to like compare how we felt and I, I listened to that section about like you know how we felt about this movie and you and I both were just not that pumped for it and now I really like this movie but moving on though from that point so eventually Talos is like listen he's like you've been mi- misfed information he's like the scrolls are not the bad guys here it's the Kree we you know we didn't want to bend our knee to the Kree. They blew up our planet. We're a bunch of nomads and refugees now. We just want a home. We just want a home. And he said, but you guys keep hunting us down because we defied you. And so, yeah, naturally we turned to war because this happened. And so Captain Marvel like has this realization. She's like, oh my God, I've been on the wrong side of this the whole time. I've been misinformed, you know, and, and that, I really, the comic book part of me didn't enjoy the fact that we've made the scrolls a sympathetic race. Because I was like, well, that, that that's not like the comics, you know, as I push my gl- non-existent glasses yeah. up. But I started reading some of the articles that some of the directors and producers talked about this point. They're like, why did you make the scrolls, you know, a sympathetic villain slash race? You know, why'd you, why'd you make them sympathetic? They wanted to get the message across that, you know, in the world today, a lot of people hate that which they don't understand. Yeah. They don't like, you know, something that they, they don't know intimately just because they perceive it through the news. Per, they perceive it through media and internet and things like that. And so they kind of wanted to convey that lesson 
through this movie because they're like we're we are taught through the comics to hate the Cree, right? And to distrust the, the Cree. Or sorry, the scroll. God, yeah. I man, look, I've only had one cup <laughs> of coffee today. I've been brain yeah, so I'm actually a scroll. Ha <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so they, we've been taught, you know, to hate the scrolls through all the comics and everything, right? Through secret invasion and everything. And even um even like in comics like Runaways and stuff like that, there's a scroll character and there's a lot of distrust, you know? So I thought it was really interesting that we they decided to go ahead and kind of flip this, right? Does it necessarily chime with everything that the scrolls represent in the comics? No. Part of me is kind of bugged by that, but the other part of me is really interested to see where that goes because I would rather have a different story than basically a reprint of what was in the comic onto film. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an action movie with, like, the undertone of a refugee crisis movie. Because yeah, that's exactly. pretty much what these people are, are. Exactly. All refugees in crisis over a dominating force that they don't, like, identify with. Yeah, exactly. We can look at, like, Thor Ragnarok. We can look at, you know, Captain America Civil War. You know, a lot of these movies have bits and pieces of very famous and interesting comic stories, but they didn't adhere to them 100%, right? Yeah. And because of that, they've made not necessarily more interesting stories in the sense that these are more interesting than the comic book counterparts, but we've made more interesting stories as in we have now, you know, version A of this story and version B of this story. So now we have like two versions of that story. And so that's what I like about this. We have a more... We have more interesting stories about the scrolls now. We have like a one where everyone hates them because they're asshole aliens that invade the earth and, you know, pose as superheroes. And we've got this version where they are like, you know, like you said, like refugees. So I, I really enjoyed that angle. I know a lot of people are really upset about that. Um, but for myself, I, I really, I couldn't care less. I thought it was really, really neat. I thought it was a really interesting way to use comic mythos as like a commentary on current, uh, I don't know, socio-political standings, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like I asked you when we, like, we're in the movie. I was like, aren't the scrolls supposed to be the bad guys? Like, yeah, exactly. I like, I didn't know that much about them. Exactly, exactly. Um, But we move along, though, and so eventually, you know, Captain Marvel learns that, you know, Dr. Lawson, had, or Marvel at that point, had made a <laughs> kind of, like, station up in the atmosphere, yeah. right? And supposedly that's where she kept all the the stuff for the light speed engine and everything. And that's when they're like, yeah, these, are, these aren't coordinates on the planet. These are coordinates up in space. You know, if you go to these coordinates, it'll be up there. And they're like, yeah, it's just simple physics. They're like, how did you not know that? And then aren't that's when Talos, Talos, looks, Talos looks at the other scroll who had been posing as the mom that whole <laughs> time, and he's like you're my science guy. How'd you not know that? And he's like, mm, I, I don't, you know, and they're like, can we get up there? And, and then the, the, the other the science scroll is like, well, we could get up there with a few modifications to your ship. And then, you know, you know, Fury's like, yeah, your science guy there says you could get up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really fucking funny. So they start making modifications to the ships. And, you know, this is where we start seeing, uh, a little bit more of a connection between Carol Danvers and between um, uh, Mariah Rambeau. Mariah's like, I'm not going to go up there. And of course her little kid is all like, no, no, no. Monica's like, you should go up there, mom. Like, and she goes, I just think you should think about what kind of example you're, you're setting, setting for, for me. <laughs> yeah. Really, really cutting deep. Right. So Mariah gets, you know, her mom and dad, you know, Monica's grandparents to watch her. And, and she decides she's going to go up there. And this is where we see Carol Danvers being like, I can't wear these Cree colors anymore. So I need you to help pick, you know, some colors for me. But like the craziest like color slide. So thing. those are actually representations of all of her different costumes, Captain Marvel's different costumes. Oh, yeah. So these are all different color schemes from her different costumes. That's cool. Um, which was I thought was really neat. But they eventually decide on the uh the you know the mostly blue, red and gold trimmed yeah. 
outfit that we know Captain Marvel for. And so they decide they're going to go ahead and run. Um, but at that point, you know, the Kree make their way down to Earth. They find Captain Marvel in the the original Kree colors, right? Which is, should be your first signal that something's off, right? Yeah. And so Yon rog comes in this little shed and he sees who he thinks is Veers. And they go through the exchange of information and everything. And then uh, he's like, but whose blood is it that goes through your veins? And then all of a sudden she's like, uh... Uh, and he shoots her, right? Turns out it's the scientist scroll, and he's like, where are they? And he's like, you're too late. They're already up there. And, you know, he dies. So they go up into space, and uh, <laughs> they, it's it's Fury, Mariah, Talos, and Captain Marvel up there in the, in the ship. And Goose is floating up there, of course. Yeah. And that's when they start asking Talos, they're like, so you can turn into anything? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, anything. And they're like, could you turn into a file cabinet? And he's like, why would I turn into a file cabinet? And then Fury's like, can you turn into a Venus flytrap? I'll give you $50 right now if you turn into a Venus flytrap. And he's like, oh my God, you know. Like, I hate humans. So they find the coordinates and they unlock the code and it turns out there's a big floating space station there and they lock the ship into there. And they kind of explore and everything. And they see that, you know, Dr. Lawson, or sorry, Marvell. Again, it's really hard to keep up with all the different names. But anyway, Marvell had been keeping all this research there for the Lightspeed engine. And this is where we see really interesting point this is where we see the tesseract yeah uh We're chilling up that, there that was the big like what moment yeah. for me in the movie where i was just like, well it, but see this makes sense because you know they thought out captain america you know who had the tesseract in that ship right yeah. they were working on getting him back alive but they went ahead and had the tesseract on a military base yeah marvel takes the tesseract makes an engine out of it it blows up, but then the Tesseract was recovered, right? And then put up back up on our spaceship. Yeah. Now they have the Tesseract. So, I mean, it makes sense. But anyway, so the Tesseract's there. Goose, of course, is really, like, interested in it. And he's, like, pawing at it and sniffing at it and things like that. And this was a really cool scene. So they're like, oh, this is where she kept all of her research and all of this junk and stuff. And they look down, and there's, like, a hot cup of coffee there. And that's when Fury's like, we ain't alone. And then Talos all of a sudden does, like, this throatal yell. He's like, Rrrr. <laughs> And all these scrolls just come out of nowhere, right? And that's when you feel like, oh, it's an ambush. Yeah, you're like, oh, shit. But at first, you're like, oh, shit. But like then, you know, they're kind of loving. Talos is reconnecting with his, like, I guess, wife and child, you know? Yeah. This is when you realize that, like, it wasn't really a space station to keep all of Marvel's research. It was more of like a refugee spot for all the scrolls that were nearby. And, you know, the the wife is like, you know, Marvel told us not to send a message out at any cost. And, you know, Talos is like, no, you did the right thing. And so we see that, you know, this Tesseract is like responsible for like the the majority of the light speed research and it basically powered the light speed engine, right? But at this point, before they start, you know, packing up and, and going everything, they put the Tesseract in a Fawn's lunchbox and yeah. they're, they're going to head out. Uh, the Kree come in and they're just like smashing in and everything and they, they lock up all the scrolls and then, you know, they're like, we're going to need that Tesseract back and, you know, they're going to kill Fury. They're going to they're gonna kill Mariah. They're going to shove them in the airlock. Yeah, they're going to shove them in an airlock and they... They scan Goose, and they're like, it's a, what's it, what is it, Frognat, Fragnar, what, what's the name of that species? Flarg something. Flargan, Flargian, something like that. They're like, you know, they scan Which, Goose. like, had been mentioned earlier by Talos. That's like, right, just, yeah, yeah, Talos, was, like, Talos was like, oh, man. Keep that thing near your face. Yeah, you shouldn't keep that, yeah, Talos is like, oh, man, you shouldn't keep that near you, and he's like, this is just a cat, man. And so they scan Goose, and then it's like, you know, scanner's like, Flargian, threat level, very high. And then they scan Fury, and it's like, human, male, threat level, low to none. And he's like, obviously, that, that thing is broken. <laughs> but meanwhile, while everyone else is put up in captivity, they've knocked out Captain Marvel, and they, you know, they've used that that thing on her neck to, you know, to stun her, stun yeah. her with it, you know, kill her powers. And they hook her up to the Supreme Intelligence. So she's hooked up to the Supreme Intelligence again, and she sees, you know, her 
interpretation of it as Dr. Lawson. It's in like a nice leather coat now. She's like, oh man, I'm digging these clothes. She's like, and this music is good. You got Nirvana playing in the background and everything. And so this is when we start seeing Captain Marvel, you know, really question her role in everything, right? Because the Supreme Intelligence is like, you were nothing and we made you into something greater. You know, you should be helping us instead of going out here and defying us and everything. Captain Marvel's like, no, no, you guys, you know, stole my identity. You brainwashed me. You lied to me. And then of course, you know, the Supreme Intelligence is like, well, what are you going to do about it? We can take away your powers whenever we feel like it. And they zap her on the yeah. neck, you know, and everything. And the entire time, Captain Marvel's just sitting there on the floor, actual in all actuality, and she's tied to the Supreme Intelligence. So, you know, this is all going on in her head. But eventually she's just like, I've been fighting with one arm behind my back this whole time. So then Supreme Intelligence tries to subdue her and then she just, you know, kind of mentally powers through it, kills the the patch, the, the, the you know, the restraining, restraining bolt, bolt thing. Yeah, yeah, on her neck. And breaks free, right? So then she's just free to roll now. She's like, she's got unlimited power essentially. And she knocks out all these people. She she breaks out of the Supreme Intelligence, you know, and she decides she's going to go, you know, help everyone, right? You know, she breaks out Fury and she breaks out uh, yeah. Mariah. But before that happens, they try to, they try to escape. They've got Goose and two of the Kree soldiers are like, where are you going? You know, and all of a sudden Goose is like, yeah, it's a weird tentacle. All monster. these tentacles come out, and then it eats both of the guards, and they're like, <gasps> you know, and he drops, you know, my Fury drops Goose, and he's like, I'm gonna pick you up now, okay? I'm I'm sorry, buddy, <laughs> you know, and everything. So eventually they find each other again. Captain Marvel's like, here, take the Tesseract. I'm gonna take this empty lunchbox, and we're gonna big, do a big old switcheroo, essentially. So Fury and Mariah are running off, and and you know, Goose tries to eat some more guys again, and then they eventually go to where all the scrolls are at, and Goose doesn't try to eat the guards he, you know fury takes goose and he's like get him and nothing happens <laughs> so, you know yeah. and he's like he's like come on and he drops him down and goose goes over and rubs the the legs of one of the 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 guards you know and he's like god dang it goose he's like pick a side <laughs> well it turns out that one of the scroll one of the kree soldiers is talos. our scroll friend talos and he's all like don't worry just follow my lead just like havana you know <laughs> and you're like oh hey man yeah we jump back to captain marvel she's fighting all the main kree soldiers all the kree warriors just and star wrecking, Force, wrecking shit you know just back and forth beating the crap out of people and fury rambo talos all the all the scroll refugees they managed to get on a ship and uh, they're flying with the tesseract right and this is when yon rog opens up the fawn's lunch lunch box you know after notices, being, not notices it's empty and she's like oh i could have sworn it was there they fly down to earth and they're they're having this huge battle and everything and this is when we get to see captain marvel really just unleash everything she she puts her her face mask up and everything and then just like poof, like raw unlimited power just wrecks power. shit power yeah <laughs> she's just cutting through ships and she's blowing stuff up um the accusers the kree accusers come flying down right yeah they're, because they're, like um what's his name Jude law oh i'm sorry i, I had called was... them in earlier but yeah when he realized that the jig was up yeah jude law calls them in ronan is there with his big old hammer and he's yeah. like we're gonna destroy <laughs> his him, emotionless you know? his emotionless he, ass face he doesn't have his he doesn't have his edgy face paint yet yeah <laughs> he doesn't have the black armor in the black edgy <laughs> face paint yeah um they fire missiles down at earth you know and of course you know captain marvel stops all of them blows them all up and you know the accusers are like we will leave but we will be back for for the weapon and they're like you mean the tesseract and they're like no the, girl. the, the woman oh and no, the woman that's yeah right. and they fly out so at this point goose has eaten the, the tesseract they're trying to get goose right captain marvel's taking out pretty much all the kree star force except for yon rog they crash down on this planet and this is where we have a really important scene for me because yon rog is like beating up in 
and bruised, right? Captain Marvel is there. She, again, she's just thriving with unlimited power. And yon Rog like, throws his weapons down to the side. And he's like, this, this is what I was talking about. He's like, you, me, mastering your emotions. He's like, beat me now in fair combat without the light show and show me that you can. And then all of a sudden you just hear, boom. She just blows him into the side of like a bunch of rocks. And so she walks over and she leans over to him and she's just like, I've got nothing to prove to you. Throws him in an escape ship, pilots it to go back to Hala, you know, and he's like, you can't do this. I can't go back empty handed. And she's like, oh, you're not going back empty handed. She's like, tell the Supreme Intelligence I'm coming for it. Closes the ship, gives it a little jolt with her plasma powers and it flies (laughs) off into the the sky. And so this is where we start wrapping things up. You know, they're sitting at a table at, you know, Mariah's house. The the scrolls are there in human clothes and they're talking about like where they got to go at this point and, you know, what they're going to do. And they've all, they all essentially decide they're going to take Marvell's ship and they're going to find a new planet to, to call home. And then this is when we see a nice little bit. It's Fury and, and Captain Marvel, they're washing the dishes in Mariah's house, you know, and he, he's like, uh, so her name was Marvel, huh? Or you, no, she, she name goes, her Marvel. name was Marvel, and Fury goes, her name was Marvel, huh? And she goes, no, Marvel, and he goes, that's what I said. And he's like, no, it's two different words. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's like Marvel, like, you know, the, the, oh, what was the name of that band that he starts singing? Um, the Marvelites or something like uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's Marvelettes. Or... And then Marvelettes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Samuel Jackson starts singing, you know, oh, Mr. Postman. <laughs> I would give money for a track of Samuel Jackson singing that whole song with some music behind it. I would, I would, I would love that. He, it, he that man's got a voice on him. He's soulful. He's very soulful. They, Give Captain Marvel back her her old flight jacket. You know, Monica's like, well, I see you again. And she's like, sure, you know, you know, eventually I've got some other things I got to take care of. Captain Marvel flies up into the sky. Basically, she's sitting there with that ship full of Kree, or I keep wanting to call them Kree, <laughs> sitting there with that ship full of scrolls, right? And they decide they're going to go fly off and find them a planet and take down the Supreme Intelligence. So we end the movie at S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, Cody, we forgot. What we forget? As they come back down into Earth, Goose, do you remember? So you remember Fury is sitting there and he's holding Goose and he's like, that was a close one, wasn't it, Goosey? And Goose is getting kind of irritated. He's holding him and talking to him oh. like that. And Goose scratches Nick yeah, Fury's eye, eye, scratches it shut. You know, they're like, how's that eye? And he's like, I think it's fine. You know, and it turns out like... <laughs> Tell's like, no. Yeah, no, no. So that's how Nick Fury lost his eye, was being scratched by Goose the Cat slash yeah. Flurgian. So we go to S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And Fury's got like this really shitty eye patch. Yeah, you know, like, and, made out of metal. Yeah, and tape. Yeah, and things like that. Coulson comes in and he's like, uh, here you go, sir. I got, I got you this box full of eyes. You know, you can make a decision here. And then he goes, is it, is it true that you lost your eye when a, a Kree soldier like put a hot knife through it, you know, <laughs> when you wouldn't give him the information? I'm not going to confirm and, or deny. Yeah, Nick Fury's like, I'm not going to confirm nor deny any of these allegations here. And he's like, well, you got a big decision to make about, you know, what to do with all this. And, you know, Fury's like, we need to get a team together. And he's like, a team? And he's like, yeah, we can need to get, you know, some some defenders for this planet. And he goes, we found one without even trying. Who knows what we could do if we actually found people, right? And so he eventually, Coulson leaves and, you know, Fury kind of looks at that box of prosthetic eyes and he pushes it away kind of disgust and so he's looking at this file that he's typing on his computer and i think he puts like the the defender initiative or something like that and originally uh no it's protector protector initiative yeah yeah. and then he flips over to a picture of carol danvers and the name on her her plane is like the avenger or something like that right and so he looks over and he backspaces on all the you know the the name protector and you know he's gonna type avenger right yeah. and then that ends the movie we get a mid-credit scene where you know it's it's fast forward into avengers endgame and the the little uh, beeper that we saw at the end of infinity war stops working all of a sudden captain marvel appears out of nowhere and she's like where's fury it's a really short not quite like greatest you know end credit scene thing but it was it was good enough right and at the very end of the credits we see 
a goose and he hops up on Nick Fury's desk and all of a sudden he's just like and hacks at the Tesseract, you know, on the desk. This movie is really, really hard to like go point by point by point by point because there's a lot going on. Yeah, and there's so many little... There's like, so many little things bits. that feed into bigger things. Yeah. And I know we've done a pretty poor job of, of talking about that today, but I just want to say I really enjoyed this movie. I was I was really, really happy that it turned out as great as it did. And I feel like this is going to be the new Iron Man for people getting into Marvel Cinematic Universe films for, for younger audiences and things like that that i feel like it i feel like it's gonna be the new starting point for a lot of people see i i'm gonna disagree with you on that okay like i don't think we've got that movie yet like i feel like this movie is like almost the it's not the nail in the coffin to the old universe but it's more the uh it's more of a supporting thing like i think we're gonna get like i think it's gonna be a spider-man movie that's going to be like a lot of people's like i don't know man because i don't i don't think sony's gonna keep going with with spidey and, and marvel and things like that i think we've got one more spidey movie left oh uh, you don't think that you don't think they're gonna cash in their chips on this and just Mm-mm. keep all right, all right. i the, the way the way i'm hearing around you know sony's oh, sony's thinking about doing one more spider-man movie with marvel and then they want to do a you know, their whatever, own thing their, their own again. stuff yeah again you know and, and fuck everything up again you know except spider-verse because spider-verse is fantastic yeah. but I, and I i can definitely see what you're saying in terms of that but i i just can't make an analog to iron man with this see kevin feige called the the this set of 22 movies the infinity saga yeah and that's like the name for it now. Instead of phase one, phase two, phase three, he's calling the whole collection the, the Infinity Saga. And when he said that, that made me really go, yeah, I think that's it. I think this is the end to like a giant, massive story told over 22 films, or at least Endgame will be, yeah. you know. And I feel like Captain Marvel is going to be the new stepping stone into whatever comes next from Marvel Studios, right? I feel like I feel like that's going to be this is going to be the approaching point for a lot of folks. They don't want to watch 22 films to know what the hell's going on. They can start with Captain Marvel and then do the next phase. Yeah, but that's the thing. I don't think that they can start with Captain Marvel because this is so entrenched in the other movies. I don't already. think so. I don't think so. Like the involvement of the Tesseract and everything else. You don't that... have to know what the Tesseract is. You don't have to know the history behind it. You just know that that's a big, important cube thing that people want. And yeah, but like what I'm getting at is like any movie coming after this one is going to be connected to what happens in Endgame. Like, by by virtue of, like, right. there was a cataclysm, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, like, I don't think that you can start with this movie because there there won't be a direct follow-up to this movie, most likely. With the, with the exception of Endgame, I think you can literally watch Captain Marvel and then whatever comes next and be following the same point. Unless unless they decide to start fitting some of these stories in between yeah, the I events mean, of Endgame and the, the Infinity big, War. The biggest thing, I guess, that I can get with you on that one is this movie is almost a standalone movie because it is not like directly connected to everything. Exactly. Because there's nothing that comes before it except for Captain America. But, yeah. like, you know, that's yeah. an indirect thing. And, 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 that's, and that's why I like this movie as much as I do because it does stand on its own. It doesn't rely so heavily on all the other things going on. That's why I liked Black Panther. You know, Black Panther built a little bit off of what happened in Civil War because, you know, um, T'Chaka died in Civil yeah. War, you know, and then T'Challa had to take his his mantle. But there wasn't a bunch of crazy Infinity War stuff going on with Black Panther, right? Ant-Man is the same way. Both of the Ant-Man films, they kind of tie in with yeah. what's going on. And Doctor Strange is the same way, too. Doctor Strange, like, it's yeah. It's got a very, like, standalone feel. And Guardians. Yeah. So that's, and that's why I enjoy those films, right? Because they, they can stand on their own. But when you start connecting all the little threads, right, it is one huge story. Yeah. And that's what I think makes Captain Marvel so great is because it's well written. 
It's funny. It's like you literally took a superhero movie from the 90s and gave it like a little like a little sprucing up with nice cameras and nice effects and things like that. But it had that definite 90s feel to it. Yeah. And you gave it really good actors. You gave it really funny jokes and good one-liners, memorable moments, and fun and interesting characters. Yeah, so like we, we kind of brushed over it when we were talking about the central intelligence, like her final interaction with it. like, And that was the, the emotional bit that I was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, where yeah. like, you know, that she has that, like she keeps knocking her down and that whole thing, and she just keeps getting up, and she yeah. remembers every single time that she's been knocked down and had to and get gets up back again. Up. Yeah. And like, I, that, that really connected with me on an emotional level, because I liked that a lot, because it reminds me of that, like, uh, that old tsunami bumper bit where they were yeah. just like every time you fall down stand Get up, you back like, up yeah yep. type fall. thing and i really like that like and that's a that's a nice positive move for them to like put in there for like anybody who's going through that type of like yeah just keeps getting kicked in the dick like <laughs> daily strategy type thing you know like right. it, you know sometimes that happens like it every does. day you're just like oh crap another thing yeah no i and i i 100 agree uh i hate that we did kind of skip over that part a little bit again there's there's so many little yeah. bits to the story and i don't want to just read off a plot thread yeah exactly you know, but I mean, we, we, we can't be here for three hours well i mean we could well that but i also feel like if people want to listen to this they need to like you know listen to what we have to say versus you know us just reading off a wikipedia imdb thread line right but anyway so i i 100 agree this has a really good message of getting back up no matter what puts you back down uh akin to like spider verse which i really enjoyed yeah this is just uh it it's a great it's a great message in a movie about superheroes it's a fantastic time the i i can't recommend this movie enough as far as our list right now between Iron Man, Iron Man or Hulk, Iron Man 2 and Captain Marvel, I think I'm going to do uh, I think I'm going to put Captain Marvel above Iron Man. See, I'm not I, I cannot do it. Like Iron Man is still a better movie for me than this movie. That's I mean that's fair. That's fair. I and it might change for me later down the road. I might watch Iron Man again and be like, "Nah, Iron Man, you know." But for right now, I think I'm going to do Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man Two Hole. Yeah. See now that that's gonna be the interesting thing is as we keep going, the two like the two of us building separate lists yeah. and how it's going to stack up. Yeah. Because there's definitely some movies that you like way better than I do. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, like I, I know I know everyone loves Captain America Winter Soldier. I hardly remember that movie. Yeah, and see like I'm I'm the same way with Guardians too. Like everybody loves Guardians too, and I'm like, that movie was not that good. Really? Like it's a good movie, but like outside of like the the whole Yondu subplot, I could not care less really? about that's e- fair. Uh, the ego that's fair that's fair overall captain marvel i think is a it's a good step forward to where we're going i saw that marvel's and marvel avengers endgame trailer and you know it made me really sad to see that like all these actors that we've come to know over the past like 10 11 years be these characters their their time's coming to a close chris evans is is probably walking away to, uh you know robert downey jr's probably walking away i know chris Hems- hensworth is like tired of just eating chicken all the time and, <laughs> and and being big old muscly thor you know and that's fine like i'd rather them walk away and hang up the jersey rather than wear it out and be all tatty and be that high school you know reminiscing guy at the bar yeah. like i was captain america you know for seven movies eight movies you know or whatever i'd rather them you know chris evans just be like hey i was cap for five movies and then they passed it along and that's okay it's like batman you know, everyone's got their favorite different kind of Batman. We yeah. might we might start having different Iron Men and different Captain Americas and I, things like see, that. See, I don't I don't think we're ever gonna get like a recast 
of maybe them. maybe like, not because like now with the the Disney Fox deal like being finally like oh yeah that did happen recently, like yeah. confirmed like we are getting so many more that's toys true. to play that's with that's true and they're rebooting X Men and Fantastic Four but keeping Deadpool the same so yeah. it's gonna be really, really like there's just gonna be like so many toys to play with that's now. true that's very very true but I think this is a good note to start off a new phase of Marvel's entertainment with and I'm glad that I'm glad that the trailers were not a representation of what this movie was yeah I'm, I'm glad that you and i managed to have a good time walking out of there smiling and just enjoying a movie for being a good movie that's the last thing i want to end on with with this with this film so many people are so negative about they're saying this is like feminist sjw propaganda uh they're just making a mary sue they're i don't know they're they're, they're appealing to to female fans for all the wrong reasons or whatever i cannot disagree with all that crap more and not because it's like a, a political disagreement or uh, a social disagreement. At the end of the day, this is a well-written movie that has a female lead that entertains. Yeah. And that's all you need from a movie, I think, is you need to be well-entertained and it has to invoke some kind of emotion from you. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm right there with you. But at the same time, my qualms with the movie come from like the movie itself more than like the themes it wants to play and everything else. And my biggest problem that I have with it is I don't really like her character all that much until about ha- until she gets to earth. Well, actually no, not even until she gets to earth until she gets to the bar because she doesn't want anything for the majority of this movie. Like she's just kind of there and everybody else wants things around her. And that irritates me because your main character should always have some sort of motivation that drives them through the movie. Well, I mean, you say that, but like if you look at a character like Goku from Dragon Ball Z, right? Goku's want is very simple. He just wants to get more powerful. Exactly. Right? Like, but Captain Marvel's want is very a similar thing, right? She wants to destroy these people because that's her mission, right? That's her job. Yeah. And well, other like, people form around both of those characters because they're the ones that are shaping the world for them. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, but. Like, if you were, like, you know, once she falls into that blockbuster, if you were to have somebody, like, just, like, stop the movie and be like, what do you want right now? All her thought process would be, like, where to know where I'm at. To, to contact the people that are told me I need to be doing a thing. Like, she does not have an actual motivation. But and I, that but irritates I don't, me. But I, don't think, but I don't think you have to have that motivation so forceful and clear-cut at the beginning or even the middle of the movie or as a parent. I think you can have a character that is lost... And doesn't really know what they want until you know the the final act of a movie. I, th- I don't think I don't find that as a, a narrative flaw. I find that as you know a character trying to figure out who the hell they are because that's something I think a lot of us can relate to. We're a bunch of twenty somethings that don't know what the fuck we want, right? And this could be con- the, you know the the last little bit of your 20s could be considered the final act where you finally figure out what it is that you want and you go for it. And yeah, I guess I don't know. Like just just like a. It's a personal thing, I guess. That's fair. I mean, no, I mean that's fair. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's a, a stupid opinion or you anything. No, like and that. that's yeah. that's the same reason I don't like Guardians too as much because like nobody wants anything in the movie except for ego, and like ego's not your main character. Fair. Like, you know, there's just like certain, certain little bits of things where I, and even Iron Man has that to a certain extent because Tony doesn't really want anything because he has everything. But I think that like is the reason that works is because like the man who has everything doesn't want anything. So he has to find a thing that he is worth him wanting Mm -hmm. because he already has everything. But anyway, like that's a whole different set of podcasts, tropey thoughts. Yeah, that's fair. But guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode here. Go see Captain Marvel. It is a good movie. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. If you guys 
you want to email us with any questions, comments, uh, suggested topics, things like that, you can email us at panelpicturespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm usually, I'm Zach Platinum on Twitter for my other podcast, Platcast. Um, if you want to find Cody on Twitter, you can find him at Orange Avenger without the E there. And uh, he is just so active. He's a good, he's a good I, active I Twitter made, boy. I've had my Twitter for nearly a year now and I've made two boasts. Yeah, it's okay. That's all right. But we appreciate your patronage as always. Uh, thank you so much. And until next time, guys, stay super. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.